guys, this is Allie from the Chantel Rayway team. This is episode 99, so episode 100 is right around the corner. So to celebrate, we decided to make a compilation episode with some of our best guests. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayway.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayway.com slash coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited. This guy, Adam, has so much energy. I actually met Adam. I appeared on his podcast a few weeks ago. It's called The Million Pound Mission, and he really is on a mission to help people collectively lose one million pounds, which he's going to tell us about. And he's just super passionate. And I fell in love with him as soon as I met him. And it's my honor to have Adam on the show. Welcome. Chantel, I am fired up. You brought it on my show, so I feel that pressure. I've got to bring that fire to the Chantel Ray way here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's jump right into the question. Sean in Tampa. I've never had a problem with losing weight. I'm able to cut weight anytime I need to by modifying with diet and exercise. My problem has always been maintaining my weight. As soon as I hit my weight loss goals, I let the foot off my gas and it slowly gains it back. What advice do you have for me to help make my weight loss last? Sean in Tampa. I'm assuming this is a guy because, um, you know, I saw this really funny post on Facebook and it was it was like about a guy and a girl and the differences in losing weight. And it was like, like the guy like cuts out one little snack and loses like 40 pounds. And the girl's like, I eat nothing but chicken and broccoli and lost one pound. You know, something like that, something funny. But I don't know if it's a girl or a guy or not. It doesn't say, but um, so what do you think about what what he or she is saying? I let my foot off the gas and just slowly gain it back. Yeah, I see this a lot. I actually, I just put out my 200th episode and I talked about the eight stages of gaining it all back. Uh, so that's, that's perfect for, for this, this sort of a topic. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody, again, that loses 100 pounds or somebody that gains and loses 10 pounds. What it breaks down to me, the determining factor, whether we actually achieve a goal or maintain a goal is the balance of why versus why not. So we've got our goal. Let's say that, that Sean, you know, set a goal to lose 10 pounds. Uh, the why, the size of, of his why to achieve that goal, the why behind it has to be larger than the combined force of all the why nots. So the why nots are just starting to win where maybe he's bored with the diet. Maybe he's sick of working out. Maybe he can't afford it. You know, although you know, my schedule, the kid's schedule, you know, things like that. 
work schedule, work shift changes, all those why nots start to add up and we start uh, deprioritizing our fitness goal and it just gets smaller and smaller and then we gain it back. So uh, that's something where you have to kind of level up your why or delete some of those why nots and get, maybe get more efficient, get a different work schedule, increase your financial position, you know, things like that. But that's the balance that if you have ever achieved a goal and, and backslid, that's, you know, look at that relationship of the why behind the goal versus all the why nots attacking you at once and think about that. And that's something that you can usually, again, level up that why and it'll make a huge, huge difference. And I also think that deprivation has a lot to do with it. And so, like, for example, I just went to Miami for two days with my husband in um, for our anniversary. And when I ate there, I ate so clean, cleaner than I eat when I'm at home. But I ate the most amazing food. And so... Um, I think the main thing is getting this idea out of your mind of depriving because anytime you feel like you're depriving, the next move is going to be a binge. So so now, like, like if I want a burger, I eat a burger, but I don't do it with a bun and I have it wrapped in lettuce and I don't put cheese, but only because I don't feel good when I have dairy and when I have gluten. I know that for my body only... I can't have it. Um, but but if someone's in perfect health, I would say, you know, go ahead and have the, the burger with the bun and, you know, eat half of it. But it's getting rid of this idea of the deprivation because that deprivation is what usually ends to the binge. And you want to get rid of that that deprivation mentality that you just go, this is what I want. My body's craving this. I'm going to eat it when I'm hungry. I'm going to stop when I'm full. And I have to know myself that I am going to, like for me, I'm, I have to constantly say to myself, I'm not depriving myself when I'm not having gluten and I'm not having dairy because I know how I'm going to feel when I, after I have it, I'm going to feel terrible. Why would I want to feel terrible? Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode and today's guest is the president of the Intensive Dietary Management Program, which she founded with her partner, Dr. Jason Fung, who I'm sure that you're all familiar with, and she coaches clients all over the world, teaching them principles that allowed her herself to lose 60 pounds and to maintain a healthy lifestyle. It's such an honor to have her on the show. Please welcome Megan Ramos. Oh, I'm sorry, Megan Ramos. Is that right? Thanks, right. Chantel. I'm <laughs> that's correct. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. Um, so that's that's true. I, I did lose sixty pounds, but then I lost another twenty six. Oh um, wow! So my, initial, my initial weight loss goal was sixty, uh, so I was super pumped about that. Um, but then just. I keep continuing to adopt this into a healthy lifestyle. And I lost another 26 pounds sort of beyond my goal. Um, I realized, I didn't realize I had such a poor body composition. And even after losing 60 pounds and hitting 120 pounds on the scale, I was like, oh, you know, like I, I should be feeling great and I didn't. Um, but continuing with this lifestyle, I lost another 26 pounds of body fat, but I have put on muscle mass. So I don't weigh like 80 pounds. I, um, I have, how much do you weigh? How much do you weigh now? Currently 112 pounds. 12. Yeah. You look very thin. 
Yeah, I, I actually got below 100 as I was losing body fat. And I'm like, okay, I've got to take my scrawny butt to the gym uh, and start doing some weight training and incorporate more good fats into my diet. So I was, I actually have a better body composition and less body fat at 112 pounds than I did at 97 pounds. Um, wow. So I want to really kind of talk, dive in deep about intermittent fasting because it's the backbone of our show. And we have all kinds of... Sh- guests that come in. We talk about thyroids and hormones and gut health. But today I want to really get down to the back to the basics of intermittent fasting. And I want you to debunk five of the most common intermittent fasting myths that we hear all the time. So in some of our questions, so I'm going to kind of share them and I want you to debunk them. Okay. So myth number one is Intermittent fasting will cause my metabolism to slow down because my body will think that it's starving. That's not true because if you have excess body fat on you, all excess body fat is is stored fuel for your system. Um, So if you're not going to get into starvation mode unless you have no excess fat to fuel on. So a lot of us aren't malnourished, especially here in North America. We tend to be a little overnourished. So all your extra, all your extra body fat um, is plenty of fat to fuel on. And I fast professional athletes who are like seven percent body fat, and they still have extra fat to fuel on. So you're not going to get into starvation mode. You're not malnourished before entering a fast. So your fasting is not going to mal malnourish you uh, in that sense. Also, when you fast, your body. Pre- this is counter-regulatory hormones. This is a part of the stress response to being in a fast state. And a lot of these counter-regulatory hormones work in your favor. One of them is noradrenaline, um, which causes the body to produce quite a lot of adrenaline. And adrenaline actually increases your metabolic rate. There's a lot of great research out there that's come out since 2016 that's compared caloric restriction versus alternate daily fasting. And in the calorie, there was one particular study and they assessed um, two groups of popula- two populations, one that did calorie restriction and one that did alternate daily fasting. And the alternate daily fasting group virtually had no change, no clinically significant reduction in metabolic rate, but the calorie restriction group saw a clinically significant reduction in metabolic rate. And that was a randomized control study, which is the gold standard of all medical research. Um, so it is, it is very different. You, you know, you went fast someone who is definitely in a malnourished state, who had no body fat, but your body fat is just extra fuel that you didn't burn because you filled your body with more food and more food and more food energy. So if you've got extra body fat, it's pretty safe for you to fast. And those cancer regulatory hormones, noradrenaline, and the production of adrenaline is going to keep your metabolism intact. And I'm so excited because I have one of my very good friends, Catherine Muldoon, who was Miss Virginia. She's drop dead gorgeous. Every time I see her, she just gets prettier and prettier. Um, and she's got the perfect body. Like, And what we're going to do today is we are going to learn how she stays so beautiful and is has such an amazing body. And she's really given me so many things. And it's funny because... Catherine, when you talk, I just like, it like ingrains in my head. I like, I like listen to every word you say. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. She is a well-known cosmetic 
dentist. Um, So she's not only gorgeous, she's also smart. So what we want you to talk about today is I want you to tell everyone some of the things that you've told me. So one of the things I remember you saying to me is you, you, you said that to me and you said, I love to hear my stomach growl. I love to, I literally, once I stop, you know, if I go till three or three o'clock or four o'clock because I had a busy day and I just had coffee in the morning and I love to feel my body burning its fat, like it's eating its own fat. And I love that feeling. Like I feel like I have, after I eat, like I am low energy. So like, I just like that feeling of like, like I feel. Like you look in the mirror, you feel skinnier after, but like at the same time, like I, I can feel in my body like getting thinner. I like I'm higher energy. Like I feel like I, I feel better personally. Um, I, I like that feeling. So I, it's it's a different kind of feeling than when you're hungry. It's not that hungry feeling. So it's like you're saying, well, how do you know when you're hungry? Like I'm like at during that time, like I don't even I don't even feel hungry. After you put some food in front of me, I'm going to eat it. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I was hungry that whole time. But, like, I kind of like that feeling. Like, it doesn't make me feel hungry. It makes me feel, like, energetic. It makes me feel, like, thinner. Um, So talk about as far as some things where you'll say, like, um, so on some things you might say, okay, I'm going to have, like, full fat ice cream or whatever. This is what I want. I'm going to make sure I get the best of the best and just eat a little bit versus eating kind of the, like, when do you kind of make that differential where you'll say, you know what, instead I might have sorbet or something like that. Um, I think about, I think about if, if, if I were to completely indulge, like not deprive myself whatsoever, how much of this can I possibly eat? So like, for example, like you said you use the thing about M&Ms and like, I actually know a lot of people, like Missy loves her Raisinets. And I like, I know a lot of the pageant girls, like um, at Miss USA, they would literally like carry bags of like peanut M&Ms and like eat them. Like I know so many people who do the M&Ms. For me, that does not work, but like, talking about ice cream like if i eat <clears throat> if i eat hagen does dulce de leche ice cream that stuff is so it's so good but, i mean it's really high calories but if i like i i don't sleep it i literally eat it straight from the container but like if i eat that i can I kind of like do like a little pattern. I scrape the top of it off. But like if I eat that Hagen dazs ice cream until I cannot eat any more and I'm like, oh, this is gross. Like I don't want it anymore. I don't eat that much of it. Like I'll eat like, okay, so the thing's like probably like this big. Like if I like literally I'll scrape the top of it off and then I'll eat it and kind of savor it because it's so freaking sweet and it's so freaking good. Like I'll like eat like there's this pint like this big. I like eat this much. So Mm. I guess if you're asking me and that's like at the end of that, I'm like, oh, this is like. I can't eat anymore. This is like too much. Like I have, I have had friends tell me that they can eat like an entire pint of ice cream. I personally can't. But I love that. I love that. So talk about that for just a second. Okay. So if you're talking about a pint of ice cream, 
you literally are taking it, you're scraping the top of it off. So if you have a, a pint. Like, I don't know, like what, like this tall? Uh-huh. Like all. Maybe like half of an inch or an inch. You're not supposed to like play with your food, but like I'll literally like take the thing of ice cream and I'll have a spoon and I'll try to make the top of it like as smooth as humanly possible while I'm eating it. Mm. Like take the spoon and just like scrape the top off and I just scrape a little bit off. Because like I hate it when people go in there and then they take all the good stuff out and like... But to me, honestly, like that, that like amount that there's like little swirls of like caramel in there. I feel like if you eat all that, it's like, oh, it's too much. So I just like scrape the top of the thing and then I literally eat it and like shaving. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. And today's guest is the host of an amazing show, La Vida Low Carb Podcast, which I appeared on recently. I had such a blast. He's also the co-host of Keto Talk with Dr. Will Cole, and he's authored several books, including Keto Clarity, Cholesterol Clarity, and The Complete Guide to Fasting, which he co-authored with Dr. Jason Fung, which is absolutely one of my favorite books. And you have a new project, Real Food Keto, uh, which you wrote with your wonderful wife, Christine. And I'm so excited we've got both of them on the show today. So please welcome Jimmy and Christine Moore. Hey, hey, what's going on, Hampton Rosian? All right, Samantha in New Jersey says, I was talking about the keto diet with my girlfriend the other day, and she told me that she was doing something called the modified keto diet, which is a lot less restrictive. Are you familiar with this and can you explain it? Is this something you recommend? I, I want to get Christine to chime in on this because uh, she has a lot. But I, I want to say one thing first. Yeah. Modified keto and keto. Let's just be <laughs> Modified from what the original is. Why is it being modified? Okay, because there's a lot of people that have that have said, well, this is keto and it has nothing to do with keto. Let me define keto for you so that you know if a modification is good or bad. By definition, a ketogenic diet is one that is defined as low in carbohydrates, moderate in protein, high in fat with mostly real whole foods and periods of intermittent fasting. That is keto. So if you modify it, what are you doing? Raising carbs, raising protein, lowering fat, not eating real food, what do you mean by modified? So that's why I say, Chantel, that there's no way that a modified keto, it can be even called keto because it's not keto. Well, and here's the thing. In real food keto, we strive to get our food. We encourage people to get their food from real whole food sources because that's where the micronutrition is. Um, we understand that life happens, and for some people, their jobs, they may need a meal replacement shake at, at a certain time. We're all for that, but we've seen a trend, and it's kind of disturbing that people are allowing these these products to take the place of real whole food and they're missing out on the micronutrition, which is so important, you know, doing this modified keto, it, like Jimmy said, are you adding in more carbs? You're not being totally honest with yourself as far as your carb tolerance. 
Um, it's, and I think another term is lazy keto. Yeah, the dirty lazy keto. There's yeah. actually a movement out there for dirty lazy keto. I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can get benefits just by carbohydrate restriction alone, but don't you want to be optimal? I don't think we want just good enough. We want good. And people are in different situations in their life. If you can't afford grass-fed beef all the time, that's okay. Just make the best choices that you can from where you're at. The goal is to, to make the best choices. So eventually getting there to the grass-fed beef and, and free-range organic it's eggs the is the goal. Right. Um, so I would just encourage people to stick with real whole food. And if you need these products on occasion, like Jimmy and I travel a lot, we rely on those products sometimes when we travel because airplane food sucks. But, you it's, know? but it's things like peely nuts, it's yeah. things like the dropping F bomb, which is just macadamia nut butter. So we're not doing like Atkins bars right. that have all kinds of chemicals right. and crap, but don't eat that crap. Yeah. Way. That's, that's a great point. I think that's where I don't, honestly, the only thing that I will do is I will add some like raw vegan protein, um, to my shake. Sometimes if I feel like I am trying to get a little bit more protein in my diet, but that, but any, and, and the, the, the shake has, you know, whole spinach and kale and, um, you know, just really good stuff in it. But I'm with you. I just, I will not eat absolutely. Like you won't catch me eating a protein bar or anything like that. I mean, my, my diet is consisting of real whole foods. Um, that whole movement of eat like you give a crap about yourself. Because mm -hmm. I was and I was drinking 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day and whole boxes of little Debbie snack cake and going to McDonald's and Taco Bell and Wendy's and all that stuff in Hampton Roads, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. All those years I did that and I didn't care. It was very obvious. I did not care about what I was sticking in my mouth. But mm -hmm. when you start caring, then you start looking not just at nutrition facts, but look at ingredients that are in things. You look at an Atkins bar, which everybody thinks, oh, it's a nice low carb bar. There is so much junk in there, it's not even funny. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. And today we have Dr. Lindsay Berkson, and she is a hormone and gut nutrition specialist. And she's a best selling author of 21 books. And she's passionate about getting to the root of helping patients find out what's wrong with them and how to fix it, but in the most natural way. And I'm so excited because, you know, it's funny, I feel like I've been learning so much about how your gut and your hormones are so tied together. Uh, it's not even funny. And so, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, I just did a show myself with a world-famous integrative gynecologist, and she was saying almost nobody knows the unappreciated role of hormones in the gut. We think of hunger hormones. We think of contractile hormones to push the food through, but very few people understand the intimate and dynamic role of sex steroid hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, on your gut and on your microbiome and how it communicates with the majority of your immune system that lives in your gut wall. So I'm so excited to be here and pass this information forward to your tribe. 
Well, thank you. Um, so your latest book is called Sexy Brain, and the title really caught my attention. And this book seems to be a little different from your others. You focus on relationships and intimacy as it refers to kind of our toxic environment. What prompted you to write this book? That's a really great question. Because I write hormone books and I've been a hormone scholar at Tulane University, I often get requested to write books on hormones. So a, a group of surgeons and urologists, that's a male a genitalia doctor, a group of them, we're going to open up 100 low testosterone clinics. So they called me up and they said, why don't you help us write a book for the waiting room for all these clinics and you could collaborate with our urologist, that's the guy docs. And so we created a deal and I started diving to, into the literature and I started finding in the sex literature and peer-reviewed scientific sex literature that doesn't get much headline news because it's about sex. I haven't thought that much before this about sex, that the more often you do it, the better your cognition, the less your risk of Alzheimer's disease, the less your risk for a woman of breast cancer, the less your risk for a man of prostate cancer. The list went on and on about the global benefits. In fact, the Women's Health Initiative had an observational trial that showed that if a woman had regular sex that she really enjoyed with someone she respected over her life, she had less risk of heart disease than compared to how she ate and how she exercised or if she was on heart protective medications like so-called statins and so forth. So I was amazed. At the same time, in my own practice, Younger and younger women and men were coming in saying, you know, I don't really have much of a sex drive anymore. I like my mate, but I just don't feel it. And at these low T clinics that start, they started to open, they thought they would mainly be getting men in their 50s, 60s, 70s. They started getting a plethora, a majority of guys in their 20s that weren't just trying to get super orgasms, but were coming in saying, I just feel like I don't have any testosterone. I don't get a really hard erection. I don't really feel it. I want to feel it. And I don't know what's going on. And when they would test these young men, they had testosterone levels like an old guy would normally have. So when all this came together, and I'm an environmental writer, I wrote one of the very first books on endocrine disrupting compounds um, about 20 some years ago. That's how I got my gig as a hormone scholar. I realized that today's dirty planet and food were adversely affecting our hormones and our desire for intimacy, our level of hormones. And I realized that intimacy has a lot to do with nature's design to protect the brain. So I created the, the term environmental castration. Mm. And I realized that sex is one of nature's way to keep the human brain going. Your sex steroid hormones, which are released during sex, that's why I call it sexy brain, sex steroid hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, really make your brain healthy. But today's hormone-altering pollutants damage those. So we have um, hormone disruption. We have lower levels of hormones or hormones that don't work as well, even if the tested level looks normal. We have gender bending and intimacy issues and we have the brain being less taken care of. So I felt like I had to write this book. Mm. So I did. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. And I'm so excited because we have a repeat guest, Dr. Eric Z. And if you missed his 
first episode with us, you really need to go back and listen because we answered a lot of really good questions that first time around. Um, But today we have even more exciting news because you're in for a double treat because we've got his other half, Sabrina, a.k.a. Mama Z, is joining us as well. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. So excited to be back. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because we had a couple people, we had posted that you guys were coming back and they were just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So it's great that you're here. Now, just in case you've been living under a rock, Dr. Eric Z and Mrs. Z. Um, they are the authors of the best-selling uh, book called The Healing Power of Essential Oils. He and his wife, Sabrina, founded DrEricZ.com, and in just four years, they've reached six million visitors per year, and their, their site is the number one source for biblical health and non-branded essential oils education online. So now, how do you think that essential oils can help people get past the bad habits and traps that they know are preventing them from living their best life? Well, one of the great things that essential oils does is it can really help curb some of the cravings Mm -hmm. and bad habits. And um, it's really neat how um, clove and black pepper and um, uh, peppermint together actually really help. Even in the diffuser can help, but you can make things like quit sticks and that people use to even quit smoking, but also it helps curb those um, cravings that people get, especially when they're detoxing from sugar because sugar detox is real. And we've watched people go through it, and it's nice because essential oils can really help you get over the hurdle part of the process in trying to transition your lifestyle into something a lot healthier. And in your book, you say slow metabolism is not a scapegoat. What do you mean by that? You know, there is little evidence, little evidence to support that slow metabolism is a factor in weight gain. And in fact, Um, The Mayo Clinic and other researchers have gone on record to say that people that are overweight actually have a a higher metabolism. And Mm. what is metabolism? And when you look at it, the definition of metabolism is the sum of chemical processes required for you to live. I mean, this is pretty basic stuff when you're considering the amount of energy required to keep your heart pumping and you breathing and you blinking your eyelids and your skin regenerating, your immune system function. That's metabolism. Going back to ninth grade biology, mitochondrial function. Remember the ribosomes and the little mitochondrial stuff we used to do in in biology class? That's metabolism. So if your metabolism, if if the sum processes and the energy required to sustain life, if, if that is being monopolized and I should say even distracted because of the foods that we're eating, toxins that we're putting on our skin, thoughts that we have that are negative, depression, anxiety, things that trigger hormones and neurological responses that are seen as the body as a threat, the metabolism essentially becomes monopolized now. Mm -hmm. And instead of burning fat, reaching ideal weight, you're barely surviving. Mm -hmm. And that's really the bottom line. You're barely surviving because of the onslaught of toxins, of chronic inflammation. And when you shift, when you shift your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your body can do what God designed it to do and it starts to heal. 
And then instead of always being in this fight or flight response, the body starts like to balance weight. And when you look at a toxin as the body does, the body sees whether it is a virus or a paraben that you see in your skincare, whether it's a pesticide or whether it's a bacteria. Any foreign threat will cause inflammation and the body will do whatever it needs to do to get rid of that. Well, what happens to that little extra piece of cake you ate yesterday? That kind of just gets locked over there in your tummy and the body can't focus on that. And when you think of it in those terms, it makes a lot of sense that we need to start focusing on things that help boost your metabolic function, but essentially ease the burden so you're just not always, quote, surviving. So one of the things that people always ask us is, is what, you know, what can we do first? You know, this is a lot of information and all of that. And we know we need to work on that toxic overload. But like, what are some of the things that we can do that are the low hanging fruit? Mm -hmm. And one of the two best things is to get rid of any of your aerosol fresheners, your plugins, any of those things that have non essential oil related um, smells to them. That's perfume, all of these things that mimic the things that are in nature but have absolutely no benefit and actually can cause a lot of um, neuro dysfunction as well as um, contributes to hormone issues and other things like that. So really getting rid of that. You know, replace those things with diffusers and, um, you know, there's ways to make it easy. But also um, your hand sanitizer. We know that 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 contains triacyclican, which is a registered pesticide, and we're literally killing off all the good bacteria on our skin over and over again. And it, it is it's it's helping not only cause superbugs that are harder to get rid of, but it, it's also causing um, what my husband likes to call, and he'll probably talk about this for a moment, but leaky skin. We heard of leaky gut, but what about leaky skin? And so it, it really goes into show. Our, our skin is our largest organ and whether we're breathing it in um, or walking through a room that has all these um, air fresheners and things like that or putting it on our skin, it all makes a difference. Not only what we put on our skin and what we put in our skin, but the things that are around us and in our environment too. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to chantelrayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.